Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. This is how the show starts. I ask my guest who they are. So, uh, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I I realised, sorry, as soon as I was in that, I realised how ridiculous it was going to sound when the the revelation came. That's the most fun I've ever had with that intro. (laughs) So I will, hang on, I'm going to go again and see if I can straighten it up a little bit. Uh, I asked them, I guess, who they are. So guess, who are you? Who am I? Uh, title of my 2019 festival show. Uh, I am Lizzie Who. H-O-O. Uh, I, I always spell my last name out just because. It's just something I've always done. So I always, like, if, if you know, I'm giving my name across, I'm like, Lizzie Who, H-O-O, just to sort of avoid... I don't know, any jokes that might come my way, maybe. Um, yeah, is, is your dad a doctor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, although a lot of people thought he was when he first moved to Australia. Um, but yeah, I'm Lizzie Who. I am a comedian. Uh, hello, Lizzie Who, comedian. Thank you for doing this show. I, I like the simplicity of that, by the way. I think that's how... I answer that question yeah. when people ask me, mm. I, you know, I'm a comedian or I'm a stand-up comedian. Mm. Often people feel the urge to keep adding things yeah. to the list as if being a comedian or a stand-up comedian is not enough in of itself. Yeah, right. I I certainly believe it is and I'm wrapped that you seem to think it was enough to describe you as well. So let's yeah. talk about that for a start. Yeah. Like. How long have you been a comedian uh, for and how long have you been calling yourself a yeah, comedian Yeah, not, not that long, to be honest. Still, if I'm trying to avoid that question, you know, in an Uber or something like that, I'll say graphic designer. Right. <laughs> 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 and then that's it. But yeah, comedian, uh, that's pretty, it's a pretty new thing for me. So I've only been doing comedy for maybe six, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how long have you been calling oh, yourself a comedian for? I would for? say oh, probably four years, but part-time. Okay. It would have been, I would have been saying it like, oh, I do comedy on the side. Um, right. It wouldn't have been like, <laughs> I'm a comedian. Like I would have been, right. no, I, I, I'm an account manager, um, but I but yeah, I do comedy on the side. And it would be, I probably wouldn't even say that. It'd be a friend who'd dob me in, be like, yeah, you know, Lizzie does comedy. <laughs> and then, right, and yeah. then that's when I would have to admit to it. <laughs> <laughs> Your dirty little yeah, secret. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, so it's in, I always like to start these conversations mm. talking about comedy mm. because, you know, it's the thing that I love the most. And so I love to hear what people's comedy origins are Mm. and so as you suggested you know you're somebody who's only been doing it for in comedy terms quite a short period of time and you're one of there's there tends to be different people in the world of comedy and and sometimes you can really tell which is people who've had some sort of life before comedy you know at least a job or a degree or some other passion that they were pursuing before they came to comedy Mm. or those who were the I've always loved comedy I always wanted to be a comedian I was 15 years old and I started doing open mic sort of you know journey to stand-up comedy so as you've already 
yeah, like, you know, alerted people mm-hmm. to a little bit in this conversation. There was a previous life that you have had. So yeah. let's find out about what that was oh. and then how that brought you to comedy. I only care about it in context of comedy. Yeah, okay. I want to know when comedy came into your life and what you were doing before yeah. that. Oh, there's, I've had so many phases, I think, before comedy. And in some, sometimes I think, oh, comedy could just be a phase of mine. Okay. And that I might not do it forever or something. I I don't know. Um, it's not compulsory to, by yeah, the way. exactly. Like that's why yeah. <laughs> people often forget yeah. that you can actually just pass through, yeah, dabble I might in be it for a while. Through. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I, I think, oh, <laughs> I just that's don't. I'm just, <laughs> this, you know what? This could just be a yeah. phase. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could. Be. I actually think. I actually think. About like, what if it doesn't work out? What if for some reason Uh. I got cancelled or something like that and I would have to return to a marketing agency, which is what I was doing before I became a full-time comic. And I I was thinking like, they've moved on. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know like the systems. I would, I I just think it'd be so hard. So maybe, maybe I'll be stuck in comedy. Maybe it'll be all I know at some point. I don't know. Well, I think that that is what happens. Okay. I think, I mean, that's certainly what I discovered during COVID yeah. when everything went away and I was thinking about what it is that I could actually do as a living mm-hmm. if comedy went away forever. Because there was that moment where we all wondered whether it was going to come back or at least come back in the form that we'd known it to be before. Yeah. And it hasn't fully, really. Yeah. Um, but I thought about it constantly and I was like, I don't think I have any other skills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I've now done this for so long that it's ruined me for everything else. Yeah, and that's what happens. And I think that is what happened before I started comedy. I was um, in this job that I I kind of got, like I, I had, I didn't like it, but it's kind of all I could do. And I was just looking for ways out. And um, to be honest, I, I had, I, I got this job I'm, I'm going to backtrack. <laughs> so it's okay. I, We're allowed to go all over yeah. the place. We've got time. So I, we can ease into yeah, it. Yeah, I, I got into comedy because I I just moved to Sydney, um, and before that, I was living in Mongolia for a year, and I I li- I did this like Australian government volunteer thing. I had I was a journalist trainer. I'm doing inverted commas because I'm not really a journalist. I'd had writing jobs before that. I'd been in editorial and stuff like that, but I'd written about like movies and restaurants and oh, here's this new cafe. I wasn't a journalist. I wasn't doing like any investigative journalism, but I somehow swung this job as a journalist trainer in Mongolia and I went over there and I, and I worked at this local magazine and imparted my knowledge. I tried to, um, and I had this magical year and then I moved back to Australia, got a job in Sydney and it, I'd just come off this amazing year and I got this job as an account manager at a marketing agency and it was real dry. (laughs) Just real, (laughs) I really felt this reverse (laughs) culture shock. Like all my clients were sort of government clients. I just, Uh. I just... Oh, it, it was a real leveler. And, um, yeah, that year I just sort of, I, I, I did have reverse culture shock, I think, because I, I really struggled to get back into my Aussie way of life. And I was looking for things to do. I was looking for like 
you know, activities and hobbies and stuff like that, um, to make my life fun. And, um, I started to do all these courses at Sydney Community College. Oh yeah. What did you start with? Like what, what courses were you doing? Sewing classes, millinery course, um, (laughs) which was pretty fun, but it was just like me and six old ladies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Making fascinators. <laughs> it, yeah, it, there were points when I would be in class and think, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> but I was having, like, it was fun to be creative. I was trying to do something a bit yes. creative. And then... I mean, also, knowing how to do things. Like, yeah. I'm always fascinated. I think there's a part of me that would just like, like when I'm older mm. and have, like, you know, some more spare time, yeah. would just like to learn how to do some stuff. Right. Well, that's what... This is what my thing of like getting older and doing stuff. Like my parents, um, my mom has been going to for years, the University of the Third Age. Have you heard of that? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a later in life. Yeah. And she does all university. these things. She does art yeah. history class. She does, you know, book studies and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, can I do that now? Can we, can, is there a place I can go to do that now? Um, oh, it's so it's so funny you say mm. that because literally I was driving down the coast mm. on the weekend from a book festival that was like seven hours away, and where the part of the coast that I was driving down, it's where all the retirement communities are. Yeah. You know, where all because you know near the beach, but in an affordable yeah, part yeah. of the world where you're near the beach mm. and all this sort of stuff, and most of them are over fifty five, mm. but there's a couple that are over 50s, like as long as you're over 50, you can move into this. And I'm 50 next year, which means like, you know what I mean? I can get in early and like dominate, like like I – I, I could go from being not very vital and feeling yeah. old to being like the, feeling you know, amazing, the, <laughs> amazing, yeah. like being the fifty-year-old at the yeah. retirement community, oh, just soaking so up the benefits. <laughs> that would be amazing. You're still sharp. You know yeah, everything. Right? Yeah. When you can appreciate yeah. it, I can appreciate the table tennis table in the, yeah. you know, yeah, the old guy on the walker. He's not using yeah, that, that, but I am. Yeah. Get into the aqua aerobics. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Love that. Um, okay, so you were learning how to do things. I was learning things. how so to do yeah. things. I was in this sort of like uh, just exploratory phase, I think. And um, I got the Sydney Community – I was getting the Sydney Community College e-newsletter. Um, I got this one where it was like, try stand-up comedy. Uh, and I was like – yeah, why not? I've always wanted to try this, I think. Um, and it also sort of fit in with where I was at work. I wasn't really, I was having to do presentations at work and I was a bit, my confidence was a bit shot at work because I, I wasn't really enjoying it. Um, and so I thought, oh, this might be good for that skill. Like if I can do stand up comedy, I can talk in front of anyone, that'll be fine. Okay, so let's do that. So I, I just enrolled in this stand-up comedy course and I I had no idea about stand-up comedy. Like I knew I knew who you were. I knew like you know big Aussie names, but I didn't know about the local comedy scene or I'd never been to a comedy show before. I'd I'd maybe watched a special on TV, like I but I I wasn't in the world of comedy. Uh, I liked comedy growing up. I, I used to watch like a lot of Full Frontal and the Comedy Club and stuff like Comedy Company. It was a comedy comedy. Uh, yeah, comedy company. company. Yeah. I, uh, and, but I, di- I didn't really know comedy. So we, I did this course. It was for 
Monday nights. Um, and it was, the class was full. It was like 30 people in the class, all there for different reasons. Some of them genuinely wanted to be comedians. Some of them were pretty much the same as me. Like, oh, I want to do, I want to be better at public speaking. This is my idea. And then at the end of the four classes, the instructor, he puts on a friends and family show at at a Balmain Workers Club. And you're, you're meant to invite like 20 people each to put on a good show. And I, I put my name in for the show. You didn't have to, but I thought I may as well. I may as well. I've got my five minutes that the teachers helped me with. I may as well. And, um, I went there and I, well, I told everybody (laughs) I knew (laughs) to come to this night, which in hindsight is psychotic. Like that, I was like, why would you have done that? That's insane. I invited cousins, all of my workmates, my two bosses were there, their wives were there. Like it was just, that seems totally insane to me. I, well, I need to explore that a little bit because, so how many came for us that? I reckon I, I, he told me to bring 20, I brought 20. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so there was at least 20. At least okay, 20. right. So, yeah. So, I, I think it's an instinct early on that, like, you, you know, friends and family come. What, what, what I find the funniest is I've had friends and family who came when I first started out who've never come back because I was so <laughs> scarred by how bad the experience was. And I was like, you know, I have got, they wouldn't have let me keep doing it if I hadn't got better. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but I, 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 I am interested in the psychology mm-hmm. behind it because either you thought that this thing that you had prepared was worth them seeing, right? That could be part of it. Hey, I'm doing this thing and I would actually genuinely like you to see it. Or it sometimes feels like showing it to other people makes it real. Mm. Like, you know, that if you are thinking about in any way, if there's any idea at the back of your mind that like this is more than just this thing you're going to be doing this night. You've got to like start admitting it to other people, you know, for it to become real. Which, anyhow, it could be any of those or it could be something else than that or it could be that you just didn't think about it in any way. What do you think, where do you think you were at when you look back on it? I think I was, I thought, I think I thought it was going to be a one-time thing Mm -hmm. and that it was like. So you might as well see me do it. Yeah, it's like come along um, the teacher, he, he was really encouraging, like he'd seen my script and he was like, I really like this. I think it's really good. So I think off the back of that, I was like, oh, okay, it's not going to be that bad. Um, so yeah, I did. I, I think I just invited everyone cause I thought it was going to be a one time thing. Okay. All right. Good. Interesting. And- so then. What, so how many people end up in the room? How many oh. other comedians have managed to get like 20 people there, do you oh, think? Like were, what's the total size of the audience? Oh, there's probably like 200 people there. Yeah, okay. And it was, so like it's good. Yeah. So the who's the who crowd aren't dominating no, everybody else. No. Because occasionally you go to some comedy competition yeah. over the years and somebody's roped in like half the crowd yeah. are there just to see one person it ruins the show. But this is good. Yeah. This is just... The humanity yeah. is uh, is is, <laughs> right is like now. a good just just represented at the right amount, which is good. Yeah. So yeah. Now, where are you on the show? Oh. So, how many people are on the show? Where are I you reckon, on the show? Can you remember? I I re- I'm in definitely in the first bracket. Uh huh. Um, I think there were three brackets, and at the 
Oh, no, no. There were two halves, actually. And I was definitely in the first half, probably like three or four out of the five. And then there were, I think there were about 10 acts total. And at the end, um, John Cruikshank headlined because he'd done okay. the course like a million yep. years ago. And uh-huh. he always gets past students to come back and, you know, do their thing. Um, so I reckon, yeah, I think I was, I didn't close the first half. I reckon I was th- third or fourth, mm, which is a great spot. Okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very good spot. Yeah. No, no. I mean, this is what I'm, I'm trying to see what the circumstances were, yeah. like where you were in the lineup. Yeah. This is a great crowd. Everybody's there for the right reasons. Exactly. It's a whole bunch of people who never thought they probably would see their friends exactly. do stand-up comedy. Yeah. Like, so good vibe great in the room. Great vibe. Like, this is, <clears throat> how were you nervous? Oh, like, yes. How nervous were you? I was you? so nervous, like physically nervous. Yeah. And I used to be like this when I first started, started stand-up comedy. All day. Like, yeah. all day I'd just be, you know, when I get nervous I can't eat. I'm always thinking about it. Like I feel it like right in my gut. Like I'm just like, this is so nerve wracking. So I I felt that, um, I think the whole day, but I knew, I knew my, like I'd learnt my, my set, like I knew it. Um, and then even when I did it though, I think I forgot a bit and I said, oh shit, I've forgotten some stuff and I had my script behind me but even that got a laugh you know like that was just like yeah woo, everyone was like cheering it was yeah. such a supportive safe environment it was yeah <laughs> yeah it was really great and then but then I think after that I got such a rush from the night yeah that and then the teacher Rob, he was also like, oh, "I think I think you should keep going. That was really good." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, I might, I might try that a few more times. That was really fun." Mm. So, how did you try it a few more times then? So, th- this one's like this is perfect environment. Yeah. I used to host the Raw Comedy National Finals, oh, and yeah. I would often say to people. I said, just enjoy this yeah. because you've just started out doing comedy and you're not going to get back to something as fun and good as yes. this for years. Yeah. Like, like you know, you are going to have to play like a hundred rooms to get the amount of people that are in this room right now in this moment. This is an artificial environment. Those yeah. showcase shows of a comedy course, yeah. enjoy them oh. because that's a magnificent moment that it's going to take you ages yeah. to get back to where you can have that vibe ever again. Oh, so, so true. But what, so what happens after that, well, like post that? I didn't really know what to do after that. Right. I was like. How do you find out well, what to I'm do? Well, I'm Googling, I'm looking up stuff. I'm like, where do I do open mics? Like my the teacher didn't know. Like he was like, you know. He's like, I'm yeah. out of that He's scene. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm done. This yeah. is what I do. Yeah. My part of this is done. So I, I think I Googled, I found a open mic comedy night at Glebe Mug and Kettle Comedy. A lot of Sydney comics would have done that. Um, and I went to that night. It's one of those classic open mics. You put your name in the hat. They call it out. You could be there till midnight. Um, so I, I did... Oh, look, I did that a few times and <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't. Quite the, the, quite the glamorous show business <laughs> dream that you were hoping for. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, what, uh, it was, it was pretty like, grim. This is taken away from my fascinated time yeah, with your yeah, ladies. Yeah, I was like, get me back to millinery class. Uh, it was, it was interesting. I found it 
the the one thing I kept saying to myself when I'd rock up to these open mics is like, what are you doing? Like you have a job. You're like in your thirties. Like your life is fine. Why are you doing this? But I just with even with all that questioning, I would I would still go. And to be yeah. honest, and so yeah. that's what I wanted. Mm. Like, I mean, so let's not rush past yeah, okay. this moment mm-hmm. because this is the juice of what this mm. is all about, as far as I'm concerned. Is like, what what was making you go? Like, like you said, you you do have this life. Yeah. You, I mean, yes, you've got some. Mm. Like, you clearly are trying to find something else mm. and expand what that mm. life is a little. But it has settled. Like you said, you're in your thirties, mm. and becoming a stand up comedian is. Like it's a weird, weird. life to yeah. embark on mm. at the best of times, <laughs> let alone once you've got your shit together yeah. <laughs> because you're surrounded by people who absolutely have not got their shit yeah. together mostly, particularly on that open mic scene, mm. you know. And it can be very confronting after the initial great experience that oh, you yeah. have like to then be thrust into the reality of what the situation yeah. is. So, so when you were going to these mm. things, what? Yeah. Why? Why did you go? Do you have any sense of why it was that you you kept going? I'm not really sure. Like I look back and on paper, I'm like, why did I keep turning up? <laughs> um, I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed the rush of my you know three and a half minute set. <laughs> I I liked being able to. I you know what I liked. I liked the writing part of it. Like I'd had writing roles in previous jobs, like editorial roles and and a lot of writing advertorials and copywriting and stuff like that. So I liked writing stuff and then saying it out loud and and then people reacting to it, like coming up with an idea and then people reacting to it. I think that is the main thing that I liked. Um, I wasn't very – I didn't really love the performing part of it, but I loved – seeing the jokes come to life um and that's probably why i kept going back i would say mm. yeah so the performance that sounds mm. like you know a little bit of the journey that you're on mm. when you went to it in the first place which is i want to be able to communicate more effectively yeah. i want to be better at public speaking yeah. so what was it about the performance aspect of it that w- was confronting to you mm-hmm. you know at least initially yeah. or maybe still is now Just i don't know the, like, the everyone looking at you yeah. It's the same reason I'd never get married because everyone's looking at you. You know, it's just that is so even now that's terrifying to me. It's like you're going out there and you're gonna have everyone's looking yeah. at you. It's like, oh, there's nowhere to hide. Um, that that I mean, yeah. you could be like uh, Maynard, uh, the late lead singer of the band Tool. Oh know yeah, if you know the yeah. band Tool, but he famously will perform most of his shows with his back entirely to <laughs> yes. the audience. Like, do you, maybe you could you could yeah. try that approach? Yeah, maybe next year <laughs> that I'll, right. I'll get experimental, become like the newest old comic, old comic out there. Back back to the wall. Oh, no, not back to the wall. Back to the Back to the front. <laughs> so, so how do you like go through that journey of like, like you said, if you're not going to get married because you don't want people to look at yeah. you, like com- stand up comedy is it, like, I mean, absolutely, mm. it's part of the appeal of it, but it is also part of why outsiders find it so confronting. Yeah. Is that idea of that you're up there alone, mm. um, with nothing more than your thoughts and your imagination and these little jokes (laughs) that you thought were funny in your bedroom or whatever (laughs) and then suddenly you have to present them to people for judgment so 
Like, how, yeah, so tell me about, I mean, I guess, what it felt like initially. Like, because it's, it sounds to me like you knew that it was something that made you uncomfortable, but you were doing it anyway. So are you that sort of person? Like, are you the sort of person who will identify a part of your life that makes you uncomfortable and then think, okay, well, I'm going to try to learn not to be uncomfortable about yeah, that? Yeah, I think that was definitely a, a part of it. Um, yeah, just like a hurdle I had to get over. Um, and I think like, yeah, from the work sense, I was trying to be more confident at work. And then, yeah, my rationale, which is crazy, is like, oh, yeah, just do stand-up comedy. That'll make you more confident at work. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, a, and it's an extreme reaction yeah. <laughs> to the problem. Yeah. That's like, you know, you've essentially gone, I think this termites, let's burn down the house. Yeah. But, like, uh, <laughs> but it turns out there's a lucrative career yeah, in arsonists, yeah, so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I have extreme reactions to things. Yeah. Like even okay. went before this like even going to Mongolia was like, oh, yeah. I was like, what? A, I was in Brisbane, didn't like what I was doing, found out about this program that you could do. And I was like, oh yeah, journalist trainer in Mongolia. I'll do that. <laughs> like that sounds, that sounds better than what I'm doing right now. And I, I just did it. So I, yeah, I guess I, I think in my head, it's like a rational thing, but yeah. I think looking at it, it's like, why did you? Why did you do that? Yeah, I mean, it is, you're right. Like stand-up actually seems quite tame in comparison to moving to Mongolia on a whim. So what was it, like, so you say that, Mm. but were you looking for to go overseas or you were just looking for, at the time, something else to do? Yeah, something else. So I think that maybe that is even probably this part of the search for something else was like, even in Mongolia, it was like, what am I doing here? Like it sort of opened up my eyes to all these other jobs that you could do and fields that you could operate in. And, and, you know, at one point I was like, yeah, I'm going to work for the UN. And then, (laughs) and then, and then I found out that you have to speak French. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So I was like, like, I have all these ideas and then. Sometimes I pull them off. <laughs> so There's like, a much lower barrier of entry into the world of stand-up <laughs> comedy. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, okay, so mm. I'm, Mongolia I'm interested in, mm. like Mongolia on a whim I'm even more interested in. Yeah. So you decide to completely upend your life. Like, So clearly you're somebody who's just – that's interesting mm. to me. So – because that's not just moving interstate. That's not just like moving to the city. That's yeah. that's a whole. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start. Had you been to Mongolia previously? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any sense of what was, what was no. going on in Mongolia? <laughs> no, I had no idea. Uh, I like. I saw the job description and then yeah. I like googled Mongolia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And this is all at my old job. I applied for yeah. this at my old job. I was working at an accounting firm in business development. I was writing tenders yeah. for an accounting firm, bids mm-hmm. and tenders. So really fun stuff. Um, <laughs> but I had I had a spare day. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, I'll, I'll have a look at this. Thing. Saw the thing. I was like, I'm going to apply for it now. 
bids and tenders at an accountancy <laughs> company <laughs> to teaching journalism <laughs> in Mongolia. <laughs> to, <laughs> back to Sydney to stand oh, up. No. I mean, these are wild <laughs> swings. Like this is like somebody who's deliberately. It's like you're on the run. Yeah. Like from the like the mob yeah. or something, and you have to constantly, completely yeah. change your yeah. life when they're getting too close to you. Oh, yeah, that's what, I mean. There's, yeah, there's probably a few therapy sessions in that. <laughs> but yeah, I I felt yeah. I I remember someone asking me, it's uh, a friend that was like, "What are you running away from?" Right. <laughs> I'm like, I I don't know. I think I was just trying to find something, like trying to you know, do something fun that I enjoyed because I would always get these jobs, do them, get sick of them, move on. I think it was just my brain. I don't know. I just get over it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I applied for this journalist trainer. I, cause I'd done writing roles in a, mm -hmm. in previous lives. I work at, worked at, um, little street press magazines in Brisbane. Um, we actually interviewed you one year. Very exciting, oh, big, big, really? yeah. <laughs> it was very exciting for us. Uh, <laughs> and then, so I'd, I'd, I'd managed to like, you know, talk my way into this job because I was working at a big accounting firm. I think they really liked that. They were like, oh yeah, she's worked here. Okay. That's good. Um, you know what? I don't think anyone else applied for it. <laughs> that's my gut feel. <laughs> Is that no one else wanted to be a journalist trainer in Mongolia, except for me and my other friend, Lisa. Um, and yeah, I ended up getting the job, but it was this whole thing. It was like, it was such a good experience. I, like, it's one of the best experiences of my life. And, you know, we were fully prepared going into it. We had pre-departure meetings where you know, cultural training and and security training and all that sort of stuff. And then... We learned a lot about Mongolia before we went, um, just because there were... Yeah, they didn't just say, we'll send you a ticket, we'll see you yeah. in Mongolia. <laughs> there, was... there was some training involved. Yeah. We learned from, there were a lot of other volunteers there at the time. Um, so when we got there, there was this like really nice community. I would say there were like 40, 50 volunteers, Australian volunteers working there at the time because there was a, there's a big Rio Tinto mine there. So <laughs> I think, I think, to, you know, let us take your minerals. Of, we'll give you these. Is that what it is? Yeah. is some, we use part of some contra deal they've done with the government in order to Probably. mine. I, oh, that no. became, that became something. <laughs> That's I, what it will be. We're taking all your stuff, yeah. but in return, we're going to teach you how to write some articles yeah. about it eventually. Yeah. That's what I sort of realized halfway through the year is like, Oh, I'm just a spy. I'm a spy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just reporting back to the Australian government. That's, oh, I get it now. I get it now. So, yeah, What once you realise that, you're like, oh, okay. Oh, I'm just going to have a good time then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were, a lot of, there were a lot of people doing really great things. Um, but, yeah, journalist trainer for an economics magazine – that was probably owned by like politicians and big business people over there. Yeah, I, I sort of realised who I, who I was in the, <laughs> in, the, in that world. Mm. 
Uh, okay, so, but tell me about what you learned a bit just about life because this podcast is obviously about life and life philosophies. Yeah. Like, you know, an experience like that must at least give you some new oh. insight into how you view the world. So w- what did you take out of the experience? I met so many like-minded people. I'd never been around that many people with the same political views as me. Um, we had the same interests, the same sort of um, – like I was there with 40 other people who did exactly the same thing, like uprooted their normal jobs in Australia and moved to Mongolia. So we were all kind of the same person. So it was a lot of, I've, I've still got some really great mates uh, from that time. It was, it was like we were all in college together or something like yeah. that. You could all make small chat with each other. What yeah. are you running from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Here's what I'm running yeah, from. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think I, I learned, oh, just that we're, we're so small. Like, I think like, especially like living in a, in Australia, like, you know, there's just a really sheltered, we're so isolated. There's just like a really sheltered view on the world sometimes. And living in a country that was like surround, it's landlocked. It's surrounded by like Russia and China. Like I remember one, one day Putin was just there, like. (laughs) <laughs> the closest streets down <laughs> and they're like oh yeah putin's visiting today like yeah wow <laughs> okay <laughs> right because that happens every day and yeah. then a few days later xi jinping turns up just to like mm. remind them yeah. that i'm, I'm here too remember, yeah, remember, yeah, remember me, me. <laughs> and that's just stuff that would happen all the time and like oh yeah and that sort of just made me like you you get a different worldview from like a different perspective on the world uh, living in a place like that. So that that's, yeah, definitely something I took away. Another thing that I took away from the um, trade minister that we used to report back to, uh, <laughs> he, he said when we first got there, because there's like, you know, this idea of Mongolian time, which is a bit like island time, I guess. Uh-huh. He's like, you know, if you're going to, if you want to get the haircut before a meeting, get the haircut. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about turning late, turning up late. Right. And that's something I've always sort of taken because I'm like a real time stickler. Like I'm like I'm like, I'm there early. Um, so that that relaxed attitude I took with me for a little bit. I think I've I, I try to yeah. Like yeah, there's a difference between like wanting to be on time. Mm. So. I, I built this into my schedule uh, at some stage because I realized a lot of the time when I'm at my worst is when I'm time poor. Like if I feel stressed for time or if I'm running late for something, that's when my behavior would be less representative of the sort of behavior yeah. that I would naturally say is who I am when I'm at my calmest. Yeah. And so like rather than like 15 years of therapy to deal well with whatever the fuck that mm. is, like it's heaps easier just to arrive at places earlier, yeah. plan a little bit better, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. like leave some time up your sleeve. That's a heaps easier yeah. way to do it. But the other part of it is letting it go when it goes wrong. Yeah. Like, cause what I feel now is that I can, if I've done everything I could to be on time, like I have left at the appropriate yeah. time, I've left myself some time yeah. and then something still goes wrong yeah. to be able to just do that thing of like, you know, okay, well, yeah. like I, the haircut's happening, yeah. you know, it's just, yes. it's okay. Yes. I can't do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Even even today, like getting here, I was like, I left early, but then there was like mm. a tram blockage and then there was like a big lineup at the coffee store and I'm like, no. but I, I left early, so I'm good. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, that's right. You tr- you tr- you did all that you were meant yeah. to do. Sometimes society lets you down and you can't take that on board. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so how did it change uh, you as a person or you know, did you feel like you you went away a different person to the person you came back? That is mm. one way, like the the time thing. Do you feel like there were other ways that it changed you? Um, oh, look, I think what I realized is that you can't just go overseas and change like you right. have to <laughs> you have to do some digging you have to like really look at yourself like I think that was what the year was it was just like yeah when I was I, like I like yeah. I got to the end of the year I was like I still have no idea what I'm doing yeah. like where I want to be what I want to do or anything like that and so when I came back that's and in Sydney and yeah, sort of starting in a in a place again. Um, that's when I started to change. I think so. I feel like the the year in Mongolia was probably like I don't know a, a nice little springboard into mm-hmm. some serious changes about myself. Mm. Uh, so I ask people on this show mm. if they have a life philosophy mm. of any kind. You know, life, work, love, whatever. Mm. It doesn't really matter. Dog raising, I don't <laughs> care. Um, and it's also an appropriate answer to say that you don't, mm. but this seems like an appropriate place to ask mm-hmm. the question at the very least. So do do you? Um, yeah, at the moment, I I think it's probably changed over the years. Mm. Um, I think at the moment my life philosophy is just, I, I say it to myself all the time, keep chipping away. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I just say it to my, I'm like, just keep chipping away. Like, because sometimes I get overwhelmed by how big things are. Like, for example, even a festival show, that's Uh it. Like at the, at the outset, that's a, that's overwhelming. That's like, oh my God, I gotta, oh my God, I gotta put this show together. What the hell? What am I going to talk about? But then if I just like, just, you know, do a little bit every day, just do something every day. No, don't like leave it to the last minute, which is what I traditionally love to do. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's what yeah, we all love yeah. to do. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that that's just something that works for me at the moment. Mm. Uh, I love this. Uh, I have one tattoo. Mm. Um, it is on my left uh shoulder mm-hmm. and it is of a jigsaw piece puzzle mm-hmm. it is a blue an ocean piece mm. essentially is what it is a blue jigsaw piece puzzle mm-hmm. and like what that is meant to remind me of and it, it, to be honest i don't think about it that often mm. anymore and you just reminded me of mm. it which is a nice thing and i thank you for mm. that because the reason that i have that jigsaw piece puzzle is meant to remind me of the exact philosophy that you have just espoused mm. is that like if you look at a thousand piece you know jigsaw of the ocean and it's all in pieces yeah. it seems impossible yeah. but the trick of doing a jigsaw puzzle is to grab one piece yeah. and then all you got to do is find the piece that goes next to that piece and then all you've got to do is find the piece that goes next yeah. to that piece and if you just keep doing that mm. for long enough eventually you will solve that entire jigsaw piece puzzle and you'll get to see the entire yeah. thing. And and it it is exactly what you've just yeah. said, like chipping away, chipping right? Away. Like it's, yeah. that it's much easier to chip away than it is to, to you yeah. know, that's good. I like that. So have you, is that something that you have come to? Like it sounded like this or is this always been part oh, of, no. you know, who you no. are? No, okay, that, this, yes, is, okay. this is something I've learned, I think, from doing comedy is that, you know, if you just keep showing up, then stuff happens. 
Like no one's going to know who you are or take notice of you or hear about you if you're in your lounge room, like just writing jokes or not performing. Um, but yeah, that's something that I've, I've learned. Yeah. When did you start to think of it as like, when did it, it start to be your, your side gig, oh, you know, yeah. your gig economy <laughs> side piece that only your friends would bring up yeah. to being more than that? Tell me about discovering like so you've yeah obviously you've got your three and a half minutes mm. like you said <laughs> you're doing it at an open mic you've got your five that yeah. you did at your showcase show um you know the way that the industry works i imagine still is that you move up through the system through longer spots as it goes yeah. on and you gather more material mm. and i imagine that's all still how it works mm. and so um what ha- where's the first sort of moment where like there is some sort of you know, breakthrough into from it being here's this thing that I'm working mm. on to help my public speaking to mm-hmm. going here's maybe some some phase that I could go yeah. through for a while. <laughs> this is a phase I could pass through. Um, I think there's a couple of moments actually. I think yeah. the first one is so I'd done a handful of open mics, gave myself the challenge of doing raw comedy. And I said to myself, if I do okay on this, then keep going. That was my first one. Okay. So that was that was a big, I think, turning point for me. Did you think you had to give yourself permission? Like, you know, like that's what that sounds like. It, that, you know, yeah. like if I if I do this and I do well, that's a sign that this is a thing that is worth yeah. pursuing. But if you don't, then then just go and do whatever you would like. Yeah. Find something else. Back, or, like, back to the middle yeah, back. Class. Let, let's yeah. do hats. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that's the, cha- the, the rationale I had for myself. Um, of like, yeah, just do well in this, then you, yeah, mm. then you can keep going. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Probably, yeah, probably it's maybe, maybe I get that. that <laughs> no, but I understand. Mm. I, I mean, look, mm. I think I'm simple yeah, okay. in makeup, yeah. so. I absolutely because it's in some other jobs there are ways that you can tell you are progressing through it you know like you start as the intern and they move you into the next position and that position naturally leads to you would aspire to be promoted Mm. to this position and then you know that the next step up is this position Mm. whereas in comedy there are versions of that but they're not signposted in the same way and there's no natural necessarily you know you do two years at this position you get you're promoted to this next position you know and so you have to work some of that out yourself or you have to put those signposts in yourself you know so that you have some markers so that makes sense to me that you would do that yeah so that was that was my first sort of point and then after that um yeah, I started to get booked on like different little rooms around Sydney and and that's it. Was there something in particular that you you thought if I could get booked here or if I could go well here, it's a, bit, a sign Oh, that... no. I was so naive, Will. I... Yeah, you didn't know. <laughs> I didn't you know. Were... <laughs> I had no idea. I was asking everyone, hey, can uh-huh. I do a spot at your comedy show? <laughs> I was telling people my like life story and my message. <laughs> and uh-huh. like I was... I didn't know about all these like unwritten uh-huh. rules and like stuff like that. So I just it was like flying blind. I was doing completely new at at booked rooms. <laughs> do, do you do you think this is good or bad though? Like I mean, would you rather that you had the presumed knowledge, the unwritten rules that people have or is it actually better like to come in 
not knowing those things and therefore like learn on the fly because sometimes those unwritten rules are dumb rules. Yeah. Like, you know, the reason they're not written down is they're bad rules. Right. And And, yeah. Okay. uh, Tell me please. Yeah. I love being naive. Like I love just being blind to everything. That's how I Mm. operate best. The more I know, the more I have to freak out about. Um, Mm. So I just, yeah, I loved not knowing anyone. I didn't know anyone. I'd turn up at gigs and just, you know, part of it was trying to, me being trying to trying to be more confident, but I just turn up and like stand in the corner and wait for my, <laughs> wait for my spot, do my <laughs> yeah. spot, watch the rest of the show, go home. Like I wouldn't interact really with anyone or anything like that. So I didn't know like comedy gossip. I didn't know uh, like about anyone really. Um, for I reckon for a good two years. <laughs> And that's like, what do you think people thought of you? Because like, if you have two years, you're just this like. Just this girl in the corner. Yeah, but like slightly older than most of the other people probably, particularly at open mics, like, you know, um, who just comes in, stands in the corner, gets up, do a judge, and then leaves. (laughs) Like, and has been doing this for two years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what people thought. Like, I, I definitely didn't, like, have any social connections at comedy. Like, I had a yeah. few a few people that, you know, I, I would maybe message every now and then. There were a couple of groups of comedians that I ended up, ended up gigging with quite a bit that I became friendly with. Um, but, yeah, it, was, it took me a long time to get comedy friends. <laughs> 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 Probably because I didn't talk to anyone. Um, <laughs> Were you still managing to keep your old friends though? Yeah. Like this is Well, yeah. part of me so was you, like, I've got friends. I don't need any yeah, more friends. I don't need new friends. <laughs> like, well, that's part of it, yeah. right? Like you're you're at a different stage in mm. your life. Like sometimes the fact that comedians are all friends is because they were all like, you know, mm. 20 when they yeah, met, exactly. right? Yeah, like it was when you were getting your new friends, yeah. they were the new friends that you got. Yeah. Whereas you're like, now nah, I've done yeah, that. I'm I've had a whole life. I've got plenty of friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't need. I don't need you guys. Um, so I guess this, the second point, and this plays into the flying blind thing as well, is that my first comedy festival show. I'd I'd been doing comedy for a couple of years, no friends, um, and I just thought, oh yeah, I'll. I'll do a comedy festival show. That yeah. seems like that's the natural progression. Yeah, I'll go yeah. I'll go to Melbourne Comedy Festival. I've never been yeah. to Melbourne Comedy Festival before. <laughs> I've never been to the festival. Never, <laughs> never seen a show at the festival. Never yeah. been to Melbourne at that time of year. No idea what I was walking uh, into. And right. then I apply for this like a, a festival venue. Yeah. Um I get I had a lot of people <laughs> when I told people that react to me like really a festival like an hour like in a festival venue oh okay like it was like real like I was picking up that I shouldn't be doing it (laughs) or like that they thought oh maybe a bit too early maybe a bit too early for a festival show but I was like oh whatever um so I applied for this festival show got a venue 6 p.m time slot a lot of people told me that a 6 p.m. time slot isn't going to work. It's really hard, 6 p.m. time slot. I was like, well, if I say no now that I've got this offer, they're never going to offer me again. Right. So, And by the way, before we get okay. to like, you know, where this story goes, yeah. like this is the problem with unwritten rules, yeah. right? And this is why I, I love what we're talking about mm. here is that sometimes I think that 
um, you know, this the, often you'll meet someone in, in you know in comedy who like wants to be a comedian so much that they've listened to all the podcasts and they've you know tried to shortcut the experience. They think they know how it all works and you can shortcut it. But the truth of it is, sometimes that get, that gets in your way as well, which is like. You did a festival show about the same point into your career as I did. Mm. Like, it's not too early. No. Like, there's no reason it's too early. It's never too early. And in fact, like, regardless of whether it goes well or badly, mm. you learn a lesson from having done it. Yeah. So, like, it accelerates, you know, where you're at. And the other thing is, anyone who tells you, and again, mm. we, we haven't finished this mm. story to see where it goes, but anyone who tells you that six o'clock is a bad time slot when you're a new act mm. is an idiot. Yeah. Because that is the best time slot oh, so for a good. new act because it means that you're not competing mm. with the more established acts. Mm. And at a comedy festival, people often like to see another show before or after one of the main acts that they are seeing yeah. if they're going to dip their toe into a new act. So yeah. six o'clock can be quite a perfect time. People oh. don't have to leave the city. If they work in the city, they can stay in the city, go to a show. Anyway, like, it's the best go time. on with your story. But it's like they're dumb. Anyone yeah. who's thought either of those two things is wrong. Mm. And it's because they think they know something mm. as opposed to you who actually – does yeah. you don't think that you know yeah. right like you you are just going in blindly yeah. and you've made the right choice yeah. not the wrong choice yeah that's what i thought i was like oh yeah. well i'm just going to do it like i had nothing to lose like i had a job yeah but like i was having that uh, helps yeah, too right? right like i had money <laughs> coming in you had shit to fall back yeah, on yeah <laughs> i was on annual leave <laughs> like, it was fine and i thought um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do this what's the worst that could happen i get better at comedy that was my uh, theory like great i get to perform i only did a half run i but i get to perform 10 shows full 50 minutes um and but i think the biggest thing and learning curve for me was like i'd only done 20 minutes before like that was the biggest chunk of time I'd done, um, like the manly boat shed, something right. like that. Like, okay. yeah, <laughs> good, like really, <laughs> really solid base for a show. Uh, but I had like two sort of 20 minutes that I'd done that I'd worked up and then I just stuck them together and, um, it, it sort of, it worked, but I, I look back on that now and I think, oh, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, I'm so glad I did it, but I can't believe like I just stuck two 20 minutes together I came up with an ending like the day of my first show. I was like, oh, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> we'll just chuck that on the end. I remember like writing jokes. I was staying with a friend and writing some like jokes in her room bef before doing my first show. And then I did the first show and I did, it was like 52 minutes. And I was just so happy that I did, I talked for 52 minutes by myself. And I, and I honestly had the best time. Like, I don't think a lot of people can come out of their first festival run and say, I had the best time. Like, I didn't make any money, but I had, like, I had such a great time. I always think the the great thing about doing a festival, and I'm not suggesting that like you know it's possible for everybody to be able to do it, particularly now that there are so many shows mm. and you know it is tough to cut through mm. and it is expensive to do and all these sort of things. But 
if you are the acceleration of your craft, what you learn mm. in that time doing those and having to do the show over mm. and over. And like, so tell me about that. Like, did you feel like there was an acceleration in your experience of what it was to be? I mean, because even the fact that you hadn't done that long before. Yeah. And then like you, the first night you rap that you've talked for that yeah. long, but then there's like, that's not it. Yeah. It turns out there's more nights. You have to keep doing that. Yeah, you have to keep doing. Like, I, I think I, I enjoyed um, like some of those jokes I'd been doing since the beginning, like they were in my raw set or whatever. I was just using everything that I had. Um, And it was, it was really cool to flesh some of those pieces out. Like you were learning to know what worked in a different environment and what worked in a club setting that didn't work in a show setting. Um, There were so many things uh, that I learned, like playing to, you know, eight people or five people um, versus playing to like a full room. Uh, yeah, there were there were just, oh, there were so many things that I learned. I learned that this was, actually, this is like a bit soppy, but I learned like people are really nice. Like people really want to come out and watch you. Uh, I, I fly, I was flying every day and I remember there was like a bit of a community of afternoon flyers uh-huh. and I just, I I knew if I turned up to flyer that certain people would be there and we would like just be there for each other. And it was, it, that was really nice, I think, because flyering can just be such a humiliating experience. But having those people there was really nice. I had, this is my favourite flyering story though. I was catching the train in and I saw this couple, this couple, and they were watching watching an Ursula Carlson clip um, on their phone, and I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, these these ladies like comedy. I'm going to give them a flyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> like these, this yeah. is a captive audience. <laughs> I'm going to go give them a flyer. <laughs> so like, mustered up the courage to give them a flyer. I was like, oh, I see you're watching comedy. Here's a flyer for my show. And they're like, oh wow, that's so great. And we had a little chat. And then we got off the train and they said, oh, well, we're going to, we're going to go have dinner and see Ursula later. Um, we'll try and, we'll try and make it to your show. Like at some point I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no pressure, but yeah, great. Um, and then after the show, that show that night, they, they came, they canceled their dinner plans to come to my show before they went to see Ursula's show and they stayed after my show just to say hello to me. And it's like, oh, we came to your show. We really want, we really wanted to support you. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like people are so like genuinely nice. Like that was, that was a huge learn for, learning curve for me, I think. Mm. Yeah. So I, I flyered mm. my first two years in Edinburgh. Yeah. I flyered um, my own show. And I, when I first started out in Melbourne, I never flyered because Flyering wasn't a thing. Like there wasn't enough shows when I first started. Yeah. There was only like fourteen shows or yeah. whatever in the festival. So mm. like there was no sort of flyering culture outside yeah. the town hall at that point. There was barely a chalkboard that had all the shows yeah. written on it, and it was like one chalkboard. You know, like yeah. there, there was no competing shows. Yeah. Um, so, but in Edinburgh, when I went to Edinburgh, mm. of course, I had to fly for my own shows. And what I often found was, even though yes, it can be demoralising yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like in that there's so much rejection, mm. but for the ones that you are able to convert, mm. you've already done warm up 
for your own show. Yeah, true. Yeah, you know, because they've already bought into the idea of you. Yeah. Those two women, I bet they f- have followed your entire career since. Yeah. I bet they absolutely have kept in touch because they feel like they have an investment in yeah. you now. I hope so. Hello, if you're out there. <laughs> like, I, they, might, yeah. they might be listening. <laughs> yeah. If you are those people who cancelled their dinner plans before Ursula Carlson, yeah. I hope that you are listening to this because they do, yeah. right? They have an investment in giving mm. you that confidence and supporting you at that time. And like mm. one of my favourite things at the Comedy Festival is when I have somebody come up to me and say, you know, we've been coming to see your show. Like I've seen your show 20 years or whatever it might be. And you're like... That to me is yeah. like, you know, the, the fact that they came once is great. Mm. And anyone out there who's come to the show once, I appreciate mm. it. But I know there are some people who come every year yeah, and I, they're great. the ones that I'm just like, thank you thank so you, much. You, because yeah, you want to give yeah. everyone a hug that comes to your show. Right. But, I can't anymore yeah. because of COVID <laughs> yeah. and my social anxiety. <laughs> but other than that. <laughs> but it's just like, I, yeah, I just, you know, you see people that come, you're like, oh, you just want to like genuinely yeah. thank them. Yeah, thank you. Personally, like, yeah. I mean, mm. the best way you can thank them is doing a good show. But mm. this is this is cool. So you do mm. your first comedy yes. festival. Um, now I'm guessing you start you you're having some comedy friends. You can't come out of a comedy festival without having. Yeah, some comedy I made some new <laughs> I made some yeah, new right? friends flying. <laughs> like I remember, I I would see Chris Ryan flying. Uh, uh, she was one person I met flying. Um, Jake Howie, I met flying. Um, yeah, and they and yeah, they're comedy mates now for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely have comedy friends now. I ha- I think my closest comedy friends uh, were born out of lockdown. Um, uh huh. I've got and what? How do you mean? So tell me about we, that. We we um well not it wasn't me personally, but Steph Broadbridge and Marcel Blanche to Wilt, their Sydney comics. Um, they were getting together a writing group during lockdown and asked me, Beck Melrose and Fiona Cox, they're like, do you want to get together on a Sunday over Zoom and do writing? And that has become a very close friendship group. It's just, it's been really nice. And I don't think that would have happened if it wasn't for lockdown. Um, so that was something that's really nice that's come out of lockdown. And they're also talented and we help each other out with scripts and we swap scripts we ask for tags like it's just a really safe space it's just yeah it's really nice Mm. i mean that again is Mm. another great thing to hear Mm. because so often one of the unwritten rules of comedy is that it has to be some sort of competition which i think part of that comes out of the idea that um there are comedy competitions at the start. Mm. Like, you know, things like Class Clowns and Raw and all these sort of things. There is some, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to enter Raw and I'm going to get in this final. And, I'm, like, you know, again, I'm kind of from the time before comedy competitions. So mm. I was lucky that we didn't really have that pressure when I started. Mm. But I imagine that it makes it feel a little competitive where I think that comedy is at its best when it's collaborative oh, yeah. like the thing that i always say to you know, younger comedians or emerging comedians is look around at the people that you're coming up with they're not your enemies they'll be the people that when you get offered a show or if they get offered a show they'll want to work with you and you'll want to work with them because you all know each other and you yeah. like have been inspired by each other they're your colleagues they're your comrades they're your graduating yeah. class they're not your not your competition mm. oh for sure and and because they've seen seen you learn and develop they know your voice and they know what 
type of joke is probably more yours. Like I know when I go to the the group chat and say, hey, look, working on this joke, what do you think? And then, you know, someone will come back and say, oh, that bit's very you. Or like, mm -hmm. what about this tag? But they've written it in my voice. You know, like it's, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's, it's so helpful. And I think that has really helped me as a comic writing with other people. Definitely. Uh, how, so how does it help? Like, I mean, I, I can, yeah. What, what, in like a practical sense, how do you think it helps you? One way it helps is if it's a good idea, like you're like, what is, is this funny? Like just even uh, that like basic, is this funny? And they're like, yeah, there's something positive there. momentum. Yeah, yeah I'm right? like just someone else to, to go say that you just don't think is this just me? Yeah, or if someone yeah. being like, oh, I don't get it, or yeah. be like, okay, <laughs> sure, I'll keep working yeah. on that. Um, yeah. But then just different perspectives on a joke as well, and they're like, oh, what about this? Or what about this? What about this? And you're like, okay, I hadn't hadn't thought of that at all. Um, so I, I think it's just. Yeah, working with other people. And I like working with other people. That is something I miss from my day job. So having people that you can call on for different skills, like we're all different, good at different things, mm -hmm. um, is just really helpful. Yeah. Stops you second guessing yourself as well. Mm. You talked about your voice, mm. um, you know, that even these you know, people that you can write with mm. can often be able to write in your voice. So what, what is your voice, do you think? Or at least at the moment, because your comedic voice is something that, you know, develops mm. over the years. And, um, <laughs> it, it's, but what is it now? What, what do you think it is? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm still, I, yeah, the comedic voice is hard. That's something I think that will come or like, you know, will eventually get there. You'll be really sure on it. Um, I think it's important for me to say things that only I can say. Mm -hmm. what, what are those sort of things? Like jokes that I could, like I can, there's certain jokes that I could do about, about race, for example, that someone who doesn't have an Asian background couldn't do, <laughs> you know, like. Well, the, they probably could yeah. do, but. <laughs> yeah, or, or like my, it comes. You've probably played a few, probably played a few clubs <laughs> yeah. over the years where they it didn't stop them from doing yeah. them regardless. <laughs> probably. But just certain yeah. things that come from my perspective. That's something mm. I look for when I'm writing or deciding whether I keep a joke or not often is like, okay, is this something that is like uniquely me like is this mm -hmm. like a viewpoint that's like definitely me and not yeah. someone else? so can you mm. give me an example maybe of like I, I or in i just want to talk about this mm. in which whatever way is mm. easiest for you to talk about it but i'm fascinated by mm. this which is this idea of how do you decide if it's something that is uniquely you mm. or not like you know is, is, do you have an example of something that you maybe did at some stage where you're like oh you know what this isn't exactly like my perspective or is there something that you've chosen yeah an, exa a, exa an example that just is really uniquely you that you I don't mind which yeah. way you talk about it but I'd love to hear you talk, well just talk about it a bit one more. one time someone told me <laughs> someone told me yeah keep that bit that's really mm. like you can only say that bit <laughs> 
And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I rely on someone else telling me. <laughs> okay. It needs external. Yeah, okay. I get that. Yeah, that's sometimes. fine. But that's, a, that's a good answer too, yeah, right? I think. Sometimes yeah. you can't tell somebody else needs to tell you. Yeah, there's, there's, there's yeah. that. But I think that that moment kind of made me realize, oh, okay, that's a really good instinct to have. Um, and some of those jokes that are a bit harder Oh, to maybe get across, like, I've got this joke in my current show about being a person of color. And it was really, like, hard to write the right. I, it took me a while to write and get it to a, a good point. Um, and I was going to bin it. I was honestly like, oh, Okay, done. so you, you don't need to go into the detail, yeah. but I've seen this. I've seen this joke yeah. and, like, this routine. Mm. So we can talk about it in vague enough terms okay. without spoiling it for anyone. Yeah. But, like... I would love you just to talk me through that struggle. So yeah. what did you set out thinking you were trying to do? And then what when yeah, when did you think you were gonna bin it? And then when did you unlock it? Like yeah. tell me about that process. Well, I did it at an open mic mm. and I didn't have an ending. You know, sometimes when you're like, I've got this premise, but I don't have an ending for it. I don't know I don't know how it ends. Like, let's just see how it goes. And I started, yeah, I, I started to do like, I guess, the top bit and I just couldn't figure out a way to end. <laughs> I think that's where I was struggling. I was just like, I, got, I just I just don't know how to end it. I'm just really tapping out at the end. And then I thought, I'm just, I'm going to get rid of it. Um, and I did it a few times and then I was just hoping the ending would come to me on stage. Right. You know, so well, like, that's okay. In a that's pressure environment. Yeah. Sometimes it comes. It never yeah, absolutely. came. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and then I I just, I, I think I left it for a while and I came back to it. Okay. I was like, I, I think there's something there. And now it's like, it it was one of the favorite parts in the show to do. And it was, it was one that people, you know, came up to me and was like, oh, I really like that bit. That's a really good bit. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I persisted with that. Mm. Yeah, so so yeah, so the, the, that's an interesting insight to me mm. because sometimes when you do have that instinct to bin it, it is the right instinct, and sometimes the instinct to bin it is like, no, this is worth finding. Like you know, there's definitely yeah. something that made me keep doing this. You yeah. know that I I've kept trying to unlock this. I've got one bit in my. Mm most recent show, which I won't, like, you know, obviously talk about. But there's still one thing in it mm. that even though it goes well every night, I know I haven't got right oh, yet. Like, yeah, and every okay. night it annoys. Like, it goes <laughs> goes really well how it is, but there's just a part of me that's like, this is not how this is meant to be. Yeah. And I cannot work out. I know that it's not. And one day I will just discover, like, it'll just come to me and I'll be like, yep. Knew it. I knew there was. I knew there was a better way to be doing this, but yep. I could not work it out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah. Th so there's got to be a moment then where so you, uh, you go. It goes from being your your side hustle mm. to your main gig, mm -hmm. and we were working towards that. So, like, when is that? When do you decide that? Like, you know, no more yeah you know, annual leave to go to the comedy festival. Oh, yeah. This is now like you know going to be my job. Well. Yeah, I kept taking – well, I, I the first festival I did on annual leave and then the next festival – oh, that was the COVID, the cancelled festival. So oh, yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. So, again, like all this mm. is happening mm. in the middle of 
Like you've started doing this thing. Yeah. You've like kind of got some weird momentum like, you know, yeah. off your own not knowing anything and then – it all just goes away and shuts yeah, down completely. Was, so that must must be something in itself, right? Well, yeah, I I was I, I was yeah booked in to do twenty twenty festival. Um, you know, I had written well in hindsight. I hadn't, I didn't have a great show. <laughs> <laughs> I'd written a show. I don't think it was that great to be honest. Um, and I yeah, it got cancelled and. The feeling that I felt when it got cancelled was that I was like, I'm a little bit happy about that because yeah, <laughs> I, <okay. laughs> I, I knew I wasn't going to do a great show. Um, yeah. I, I always think there should be like a period of time, like probably about two weeks away from the festival where they send out an email to everyone going, it's cancelled. Yeah. And then they send out a follow-up email going, if you felt relieved by yeah. that notice, then it's okay. We'll see you next year. Yeah. It's fine. And then they just <laughs> thin it out a little bit yeah. of people who really, it's like, just have another year. Just, have, just oh. think about it some more. It'll be fine. And that, that's, that's what I needed. So by the time the yeah. festival came back the next year, I had a decent show. I was like really yeah. happy with it. Um, so I guess I was lucky to have my job during COVID. I think I would have maybe quit earlier than what I had, but I don't know, circumstance, I, I kept it for a while. And to be honest, I think it was my bosses being like, what are you doing, mate? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, firstly, it's an unreliable industry. And secondly, it's all just shut down. So yeah. these are bad decisions yeah, you're making. that's it. And so I like, I yeah, I was lucky to have my job. And then by the end of 2021, when things started to look good, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, I can I can leave my job now. It's it's time. Just just go for it. And I think in having done the festivals um in 20 having done that festival in 2021, I realized I was like, "Oh, okay, you can you can make a living out of this. Like you can you can go and do the festival season. There's other stuff that comes off of that. Um yeah, I I felt more confident in my choice. Mm. Um, and you've had like externally, mm. like if you talk about the time frame in which, you know, your career is built, particularly considering that a whole bunch of it was taken out by oh, yeah. something that was completely beyond your mm. control. Like, I mean, things have gone well, like mm. how has it felt from, so that's the external observation. Mm. It's very easy for people to look from the outside mm. and go, Oh my God, like, mm. you know, you've, but you have, you've had a rapid rise through it, but how has it felt from the inside? Like, because you're, when you're the person on the inside, that's not necessarily how you view it or see it, or is that how you've viewed it and seen it? Like, how has it felt to you? Yeah, I'm aware that I've I've done things, ticked off things pretty quickly, like being able to do gala spots and, and stuff like that pretty quickly. Like, I was a benefit of, a beneficiary of there being no international acts in 2021, like we got a lot of chances and there were less acts, you know, lots more people came to see me that probably wouldn't have come to see me. So I, mm -hmm. like that was in hindsight, like a really good thing to happen uh, for someone like me at my stage. Um, I think I still feel completely new. Like I'm still like working it out. I'm still figuring stuff out. Like 
so like now I'm full time comedy. It's funny because people ask you like, oh, what do you want to do now? And it's like, what? I'm doing it. What do you mean? <laughs> like, what do I want to do now? There's, I'm do, I'm doing the thing, aren't I? <laughs> like, this is it, right? Um, like, I know there's other things you can do. Like, you maybe want to write TV shows and and work on radio or do stuff like that. There's lots of different avenues that you can take. But for at the moment, I'm just like, oh, this is this is what I wanted for so long, and what I worked hard to do for so long that like I'm just going to enjoy this full time thing at the moment. Um, I think that's, pretty, I mean, that's pretty good. It's a good attitude to have mm. because I think that one of everybody wants to be not artificially mm. accelerated because I'm not suggesting mm. that. I'm saying, but it's great to have a dream run to a mm. point, right? Mm. But what you don't want to be is thrust into environments where you are beyond your capacities, yeah. right? Like you have this wonderful opportunity at the moment where you're like, you're where you want to be. Mm doing the thing that you want to do and then you can just spend some time just getting good at the thing that you now have the privilege of being able to do and have these audiences and improve and like get this baseline in for all those other things. Yeah. Like they will all come as a natural result of you getting better and better and better at the thing that you're doing and that you're loving to do. So I think it's cool Mm. and I'm glad that you have that attitude because I think that's really healthy Mm. to have – why 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 does everyone else want you to always be doing something else? Yeah, like, like I find that it's like, what are you doing now? Like, You're doing like, it. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Plus, the thing about stand up mm. is like for somebody like a Lizzie who who likes to um, you know, have extreme reactions and yeah. throw herself into absolutely wild swings, yeah. is that a lot of that's built into the job. Yeah. You know, you are trying to master something that mm. isn't – I mean, this is one of these things I say all the time, mm. so I'm sorry to everyone who's bored by this. But, like, I think that a lot of people go into stand-up because there is a part of their brain that tries to – is looking for something that they can constantly be working on, mm. right? You can always be working on getting better oh, at it. Yeah. And you're never going to master it. Yeah. Like, you're on this elusive – you know, like you want to, yeah. you desperate and you have glimpses and mm. moments and enough of them on stage mm. where you feel like it would mm. be like to be mastering it all the time that that's all you ever want yeah. to do is like learn how to master it. But also you're smart enough to know that even for the brief moments you master it, mm. like it all goes away and you have to start again. And yeah. it's, it, it provides a lot of those things I think mm. that you've been searching for in other areas of your life yeah I, I agree. on a daily basis yeah you know? i agree because it's like something you can never be like perfect at it's it's just a continual learning curve mm, i agree and those writer's sessions with your friends mm. that started during covid yeah. you know become they're the equivalent of that you know, adult education group, right? Yeah. That's you all sitting around learning skills, you know, working yeah. off each We're other, having that nerdy. little community. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it is a bit nerdy, it's but so it's It's so nerdy. <laughs> We've even gone away on weekends. Like, it's so nerdy. <laughs> it really is. That would be fine with me saying that. <laughs> how, did, um, how did the rest of your life... Mm adapt to the fact that suddenly you know people like i mean you know you've done like 
you know, big, like you said, galas, mm. like, you know, have you been paying attention, which is certainly a big mm. recognizable show and like, you know, a bunch of other things as well. You've had your own special, mm. like, um, in the comedy world, that all makes sense. Mm. And, but how did the rest of your world who, you know, who knew you as this other person, yeah. yes, they might've come and seen you do that, like, you know, yeah. stand up comedy course, like gig, but in a reasonably short time in the grand scheme of things, they've gone from you being one particular person to being this quite public person, yeah. you know, with this public. How has that been? Yeah, I think, oh, it's so, I'll use my mum as an example. Mum yeah. always used to, oh, what do you think of Elizabeth's new hobby? <laughs> like, <laughs> even, <laughs> like, she, <laughs> she's a classic example like oh can you yeah. believe it like oh yeah and she and obviously it's my mom right she knew yeah. like i was a shy kid she just cannot believe that that is what i do for a job now because she for years would try and make me talk <laughs> and yeah. i was just like <laughs> not not talking and she's like i can't believe you get up in front of all these people and talk like you never spoke as a child like i was just so small and shy um and even a few years into comedy she's like oh you're not still doing this comedy thing like <laughs> it was just like oh it's like if i gave up comedy now even i reckon she'd be yeah. like oh that's great <laughs> like i think she's just of that generation like stability like she likes stability she likes you know She'd she'd love me to have like heaps of superannuation. I think that's that's her, her thing. Um, but I think though, coming around like in the last couple of years, like she came to see my yeah. show three times this year, which yeah, is like right. she. I think yeah. she's turned a corner. She's because yeah. the first time she says that she's too nervous to take it in. Yeah. So the second time is like, oh, I'm I'm. I'm getting more of it. I'm understanding more. And then the third time, yeah, she, I think she got it, but she still wants me to like print it out so, so she can go through and read it. <laughs> uh, so I think she's definitely turned a corner. Whereas dad, dad is like, he's a natural entertainer. Like he's a funny right. guy. He get, he, he, um, plays the guitar. He goes to open mics like three times a week. He's 84 years old. Like he, he loves being on stage. He's, yeah, he's just a, an entertainer at heart. So he, he was very encouraging. He was just like, oh yeah, he gets it. He'd tell me, he's like, yeah, you know what? We're performers. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah, from a family point of view, like I, it was the first time my brother, um, one of my brothers watched me was the reaction was so funny. Cause I said, you got to, anyone who's family, they got to be at the back. I don't want to see your faces because yeah. yeah. that'll make me so nervous. And I'll just, la I'll start laughing at him. But my brother, I did this gig in Singapore. He was living in Singapore at the time. This is a while ago now. Um, but the, the way that he reported back to the family was just so funny. He just, yeah, spoke to them like, yep, people were laughing. Yeah, I can, I can confirm. <laughs> it's like real, like he'd been sent on a mission <laughs> to yeah. see. Not, but even, not even like 
She was funny. No, yeah. People were people laughing. People were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Other people thought she was funny. Yeah, and that's and that's like a lot of a lot of mum's feedback too, is it? Because she, right. I don't think she gets com like stand up comedy. She doesn't understand right. why people go and watch it. Some I think she's getting mm. there, but some of the first shows she saw me do, she's like, "Oh, people are laughing so much!" Like one guy was slapping his knee. I just don't yeah. like. She just <laughs> can't get her head around that people are having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think. But it is. Mm. I mean, I do think that is quite a foreign. When you first realise mm. that your workplace mm. is a place of trying to make people laugh, yeah. like at its at its very heart mm. of what it is, is this idea of, and for some people, laugh. That's not what work is for, right? Mm. Like, you know, as in, like, you know, they just don't associate the idea of having that good a time with. Yeah being at work yeah. it doesn't make any sense yeah. and it, there is a part of me that does understand mm. that that was like me during COVID where I was like there's no other job where they're going to let you like rock up in your tracksuit pants and like drink at work yeah. you know what I mean like <laughs> this is uh, you know where you can just stay at home all day yeah. like in your pajamas take the dog for a walk whenever you want yeah. like it's, this is like a very privileged job oh, it's it's pretty good <laughs> It's not like I've done the other jobs. This is, this is great. Like, uh, mm. what's your approach? Mm. Like, so you sound like somebody who was reasonably conscientious mm. in like your work life previous. Mm. If you, if your employers don't want you to leave, that's normally a yeah. good sign. So, um, do you have that conscientious approach to comedy as well, or is that sense of you? You did say before, you know, that there's an element of you that likes to leave things to the last moment as well. So, how do you? Like, do you work to a deadline best or do you work every day or like, what's your process? Um, yeah, dead, deadline, deadlines are good for me. If someone mm. says, oh yeah, next week sometime, I'm like, that's not, you need to give me a day and a time. <laughs> like, you can't just be like, yeah. next week, that's, I'm going to, no. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I am quite conscientious. I think with comedy, I um, viewed myself as a mature age student. Like mm -hmm. I had to yeah. really go for it. If I, I could, I didn't have the time to like fig, find out if this was maybe going to work. Like I had to just like really try hard and then see if it was something I could do. Um, so I think, yeah, I would, I would say I'm conscientious in that way. And in the beginning, like, oh, like I listened to so many philosophies when I was first starting out, like all the comedian ones and like, that was so helpful. I listened to all like comedians, comedian podcasts. The good, I still listen to the good one podcast all the time. Yeah. Like just all those things about so jokes. These and, are mm. for, for people who don't know mm. this podcast because they're both podcasts that I listen to mm. as well. Um, so the good one is an American comedy podcast yeah. where they t talk about often, I mean, the premises changed a little mm. bit, but often they would take someone's an iconic routine yeah. and then use that as the premise for the yeah. conversation. They would actually literally talk about the, the routine in some cases, sometimes mm. a more broad conversation about comedy in their career, yeah. but a really great show yeah. and um, some really fantastic episodes of that. And the comedian's comedian, Stu Goldsmith, mm. who is a UK comedian. And that again is also an excellent yeah, podcast. So and he does very long mm. form conversations with mm. UK comics predominantly, but there's Americans and Australians and all sorts mm. of people in there as well. And again, 
I've listened. It's one of those podcasts where, and I hope this is always the case with this one as well, which is that I've enjoyed the co- the conversations with comedians I've never heard of before. Mm. Like, in fact, often it's what I like, you know, and I hope people do on this podcast is occasionally listen to an episode of somebody that they haven't heard yep. of before because I think they're good conversations. But mm. I just love that you mentioned those ones in particular mm. because I think they are both really fantastic oh, podcasts so that mm. absolutely deserve a shout out mm. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you listen I to listen a lot of stuff. To stuff of- you had that mature age approach. Yeah. But like the other thing about the mature age approach, sorry, yeah. is <laughs> that like it makes sense. Yeah. It would be weird if you didn't, yeah. right? Because part of going into university or part of going into comedy when you're young is that you're at the stage where you're also discovering who you are, Yeah. right? So that's built into the process, mm. right? The mature age students at uni, all they were not doing was do, doing what university is actually technically meant to be about yeah. and then not going and getting blind yeah, exactly. and trying to discover who they yeah. were, right? Mm. So you're just doing the, the, the work. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not yeah. – you're not doing anything that's unreasonable. Mm. You're doing what everybody should be doing, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think so. And, and yeah, yeah. I, was, I was gigging like gigging a lot and working a lot which is hard. Yeah. yeah. And and for like and that's what most people are doing when they're starting out like so, so many comedians have two jobs. They're working full time yeah. and then they're gigging at night. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm. So but at some stage mm. the day job goes away. Yeah. Do you remember was that a gradual process or do you was there just a day when you sort of woke up and you were like I think you know had, had you had your eye on it for the two years and COVID just interrupted that or what like or was it a late like, when did you decide well I, I went I went from five days a week to four days a week at uh, work okay so you just yeah, yeah. gradually sh- yeah just walked out slowly yeah. back into the <laughs> hedge Homer Simpson style yeah <laughs> and then that I did four days for a really long time and that was manageable. Like I, and I uh, took off, what was my day off? Like it was a Thursday off. So I knew that I wouldn't, I didn't want to take a Monday or Friday because I knew I just have a long weekend, you know, but I took a Thursday off cause I knew, okay, that's an actual day where I probably could do comedy stuff. Cause I think what people don't tell you, there's a lot of like admin involved <laughs> in comedy. <laughs> there's like yeah. a lot of reaching out to people for gigs and pitching stuff and work. Yeah. There's like so much admin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very glamorous, but I yeah. Mean, particularly early on yeah. like when you're having to do it all yourself. Yeah, like hopefully yeah. eventually somebody else comes into your life that it can help with some of that stuff. Yeah. But um but yeah, I agree. Mm. Like I even talk to people about, I mean, you're in a radio station mm. um, in Melbourne today. I am at my home. But like essentially once this conversation is finished, you know, my beautiful producer, Mike, will like, you know, like yeah, he'll you know, put it all together, yeah. make sure it's published, blah, blah, blah. Like Nick will do these incredible like, you know, social media clips yeah. that everybody else you know, does on my behalf. But when you first start out, that's you. Yeah. Like when I first started doing this podcast, I used to edit it. I used to post it. I used to know where the iTunes account, like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's so, and people like don't get that. Mm. And when you're a young comedian Mm. and particularly because there's more to do Mm. because you have to convince more people. Mm. You can't just send them an email Mm. that says, Hey, here are my avails for the next few weeks. (laughs) Like you have to convince them that you're worth having on the show in the first place. Like it's, it's like you are, 
I, I so when people are on the dole mm. sometimes like I, yeah I mean, like in that situation if they not like you and have a pre-existing job sometimes like you know they they're having to look for other jobs i always think that like applying to be on a gig should count as looking for a job because oh. if your career wants to be comedy yeah. like you're doing as much work applying to get on like some Thursday night gigging glebe as you are yeah. trying to you know, get some job you don't want at like some business that isn't going to employ yeah. you. So You're going anyway. out there, you, you're going to right. say hi when you're not even booked on the gig. I'm like, oh, I'm just here to watch. By the way, yeah. I do comedy. You're networking. <laughs> that's right. Like you have to go the week before, yeah. you know, like and that is what you should be doing mm. by the way. Mm. But yeah, absolutely. The time you have to put yeah. into it. So yeah. So yes, it becomes overwhelming. Mm. So, but this it goes to four days. Yes, I go. And, to then, f- and then when does it when does it get less than four days? Uh, well, that's when that's when I yeah. quit. Then yeah, it just goes. Then I just quit. Yeah. I was like, because my <laughs> bosses were like, it's not three days, two yeah, days, one they day. Were, now even now. at four days, they were like, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah. Can you come All back right. for five days? And I'm like. No, I can't. That's just too much. Yeah. And then, yeah. Also, I'm leaving. You. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much was like, actually, well, the time is now. I should, yeah. I should be on my way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anyone who tried to convince you otherwise, or was everybody pretty supportive mm. of the fact that you were? I think everyone was got there in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's 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 such a hard thing to tell people like like I I think I've got this bit in an old show where it's like the hardest thing about following your dreams is telling people about it (laughs) (laughs) like and it's it's so true because you're just like this this normal person who has a normal job and then all of a sudden it's like I've got a secret I'm doing stand-up comedy and it's like oh you like really you um and I think I mean it's true though like it's because I don't know what it is Mm. but it's so funny yeah like it's it is like it's it's it is embarrassing. Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's very embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like oh yeah. It's like, like like you shouldn't be able to admit it. What do you do? I oh, yeah. I don't know. I live my dream. I guess I'm a clown. Yeah. <laughs> I tell jokes to strangers. Yeah. I guess I work in the arts. Exactly. I'm in the I'm arts. In the, I guess I'm a performer. <laughs> um, but even telling people I was doing a millinery course was embarrassing. Like that. Right. That is also some, embarrassing. Like yeah. That's even probably even more embarrassing to me. Uh, but I think like even friends, like I've got a a good set of friends that I've known for years, you know, from university and from, you know, share houses in Brisbane and and stuff like that. But, and even those guys, like they don't care that I do comedy. Like some of them have seen, one of my best mates saw me for the first time this year, like just Brisbane festival just gone. And she's like, I can't believe I have never seen you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine. Like, I get maybe you wouldn't like my comedy show. I get why you might not come. But I I think, like, all of the mates are sort of, like, they're on board. Uh, they're very supportive. I think the family's supportive now. Um, yeah, I think people are around the idea. Now that it's my full-time job, now that I, like, You've been on TV and stuff like that. They're like, okay, that look, okay. That's what it basically is, isn't it? Yeah. Like getting on TV is only really good because it 
lets everybody else relax. Yeah. They figure if they've let you on the TV yeah. that it must be coming yeah, fine. That, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's fine, mate. She's been on TV. Yeah. So it's all, we, we have to – we can stop worrying about Elizabeth. Yeah. She's yeah. been on the telly. <laughs> Oh, but I, I should be putting extra stuff into my superannuation, of course. <laughs> I mean, you should yeah. be making voluntary contributions. I mean, you've worked real jobs. At yeah, least you have something. something. Yeah. You'd be a way ahead. You, should, you actually should say to mum, you're like, I'm way ahead of everybody yeah. else in comedy. <laughs> like, by comparison, I am absolutely nailing it. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So then, yeah, as you say, mm. you get to this point in your life where suddenly you are doing the thing that you wanted to do. Mm. This is where you are, at least for now, mm. if this is not a phase that you're going through, yep. if this is actually, yep. you know, you've found the thing. Yeah. Um, then with your stand-up in particular, you're performing, uh, like what, where where are you at and where are you going? Um, with stand-up, I, I, I just love doing stand-up like it's a real compulsion mm. and i i think i say that what is it though about it i mean talk me like what what's the it's funny mm. so i was um, it, you know often the reason that you start doing mm. something is not the reason that you keep doing it and often if you do something for a long time the reasons that you do something become complicated and mm. there's different periods where you do things for very very different reasons yeah. and so i always love to hear about like the reason that somebody is doing it at the time that they are doing it. Yeah. So what is, when you say it's a compulsion, mm. what do you actually mean by that? What is the compulsion? What do you love about it? I think I love, I still love that, that thrill of a new joke working. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a real thrill. And, and to extend on that, getting a show to work is also a real sense of achievement. And I think that's what I, I love at the moment is, you know, starting out with little bits here and little bits there. And then by May, you know, you start performing this thing in January and then by May you've, you've got a, a show. I think that's what I really like is that, oh, I did that. Um, and even halfway through that process, sometimes I look back at my notes on my phone to see where I was at, you know, in December or November. And it's real like, oh, wow, I had nothing. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely <laughs> nothing. Like only one of those bits has actually made it in uh. some form to the show. So that is really like I think the sense of accomplishment that comes from that is something I really enjoy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, look, I'm aware of the, you know, the time and there's some like questions that I always ask everybody oh, on yeah. this show. So I'm going to get into those. Um, uh, you know, we jump in, we dive in the deep end. Uh, mm. What do you think happens when we die? Um, well, well, I was raised Catholic, but I'm, I'm not Catholic now. Uh, so I don't think we all go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, heaven, man, it's or whatever. weird that you immediately just yeah, said we're I'm all going to hell, hell yeah. which I guess is mostly the message of the Catholic <laughs> Church, though, is that we are all going to hell. So you're right. Yeah, I don't think that happens. I think, um, I think part of us lives on. Like I think, yeah, we just go like we we either get cremated or dug into the ground. But I think part like our spirit lives on in some way, whether that's through. Um, like other people or stories that you've told or or 
bits of your personality that maybe, I don't know, you, your child or your nephew or niece have, have taken on. I feel like, yeah, your your spirit somehow lives on in in bones, you know, like, you know, like you can, I, I think that, um, what am I trying to say? Like sometimes you, you think, well, sometimes I think, oh, I wonder if like my ancestors are in my bones. Like have I like Uh got some of their life lessons in me? Like, you know, like through the, through that idea of like, you know, intergenerational trauma and things like that. I'm like, there must be part of my ancestors that are, that are in me and the the way that I think. Yeah. Mm. I I like that idea. Mm. That's a fun idea. Mm. Um, Do you worry about death? Do you think about death? Is it present in your mind? Oh yeah. (laughs) Constantly. (laughs) (laughs) I have, have, my family, we're always joking about being dead. I don't, it's really, it's grim for outsiders. They're really confronted by it. But we're always joking about like, mom is particularly grim. Like sh- she's always talking about, like, mom, remember calling her once and I said, like, what are you, what are you up to mom? Oh, just getting ready to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause she's doing all these like, you know, power of attorneys and all that death admin that you have to do. Yeah. Oh, just so much admin ready to- in comedy and, and death, death, both full of admin. Yes. And th- so that's how, that's how we talk in our house. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm not, I don't think I'm scared by it because I think it, I, I honestly, it could happen at any time. You just have no idea what life has for you around the corner. So, mm. Uh, on Pete Holmes's podcast, mm. you made it weird, which is another podcast that I recommend that has been influential to this mm-hmm. one. And uh, uh, Kurt Bronola was on, and he asked Pete Holmes this question: mm-hmm. uh, Would you prefer to know when you die or how you die? I think I would like to know when. Mm. Need the deadline. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, right? Like the the literal deadline in this case, yeah. the death line. <laughs> yeah. So when will I be dead line? When will, <laughs> so, yeah. When will I be dead? Mm. And that's because then I could just pack in yeah. whatever I needed to. I'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to go on holiday here, here, and mm. here. I'm going to say goodbye to all these people. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I think I could, I could do a lot if I knew when it was. I know, but mm. yeah. I, so I think this is the first time that somebody has answered this question. I think in the way that I think I would answer this okay. question, and uh, because the t- I am absolutely convinced mm. that it is yes time, mm. and then I'm fascinated by the idea of so if you learnt that you had twenty years mm. versus if you learnt that you had five years, mm. are you living your life in? completely different ways or do you think that you're living your life pretty similarly in those two examples oh that's okay so i firstly think about if in 20 years i'll be 60 so which is pretty young to die that's that's a young so i think i'd i'd strategize i'd probably be like okay if i get this much money together at work, like, to, to get the, to this point. Yeah. And then I can spend, if I could, like, okay, I work for 10 years. Yeah. 
party for 10 years. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. No, don't start partying immediately. Yeah. Build up a bit of a pot yeah. knowing that I've got these good 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Knuckle down for 10, party for 10. Yeah. yeah. That, I think that works. If, if, and if it was five yeah. years. Five then years. Then you'd just be like, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm partying now. Um, yeah. I mean, five years is still a lot to party. It though, is. You know it is mean? a lot. <laughs> like, it's, uh, I think you'd actually find out pretty quick. Yeah. That you'd be like, <laughs> this seemed, seemed like a good idea that I was yeah. going to party hard for, for five, five years. years. <laughs> but it's, just this 45-year-old like, going to raves and <laughs> just, <laughs> living her best just life. Just packing it in. Chasing summers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm going to die in five years. You're going to die tonight. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, uh, what's the best or worst piece of advice uh, that you've ever been given? I don't mind, but just one one or the other or both. Like if there's one good piece of advice you've had or if there was – sometimes it's, as you said, it's the unwritten rules, you know, that are the bad pieces of advice. You've yeah. already said a few times how you – it was great that you didn't know them so that you mm. didn't have to – Break them, but like, yeah, is there a good or bad piece of advice that you could share? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, don't don't wait until you're ready, or like, mm. you know, what other people think you, yeah, or yeah, when you should be ready. What does that even mean? I don't. Yeah, yeah. you know, if you wait until you're ready, I don't think you're ever going to be ready. Yeah, that's the deadline thing as well. Yeah. I think, which is. Like people always ask me that they're like, "What do you do a comedy festival show every year?" Mm. And I said, "If I didn't put one on, I'd never write anything." Yeah, like the fact that you know I know that I'm going to do it, yeah, you know, compels me to to have to do it. Yeah, it I've told people right. now we've hired a theatre. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah the, that fear of failure is it's a strong one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, if you could go back to yourself, normally I would mm. say early on in your career it wasn't that long ago yeah. but um but let's go back at least to the start of you before you do this comedy competition mm. um let's go back to that lizzie who and just uh, like if you could give her one piece of advice now what would the piece of advice be oh just yeah do do something that do something that you like um rather than doing something that you think you should be doing yeah, I think that's a good career thing that I've learned. And I, I honestly, I reckon one of my next jobs could be as a careers counsellor in a high school. <laughs> I, I've had so many jobs. This That could be the next phase. And I could, because I, oh, I, yeah, if I, if I could back, go back to high school, Lizzie, I'd be like, just enroll in drama. Yeah. You like drama. Do drama. Don't, yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah, but they wouldn't trust you for careers advice because they were like, You're a famous comedian yeah. and now you're a careers counselor at my school. Yeah. What happened? I, got <laughs> I can't canceled. trust your advice. Yeah. <laughs> <I got> can- <laughs> <laughs> it happened. Um, do you think uh, I mean it's funny, like I mean you've mm. like you've joked about it twice mm. in like this interview is like the idea of being cancelled. <laughs> is it like just something you say as a joke or is it something that you actually worry no. about the idea of like being cancelled? Oh, I think I, I say it as a joke. But yeah. you, you just like, you know, when someone gets cancelled, you're like, oh, wow, I just, I never knew. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could be that person for people. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, that is a good point. Yeah. Uh, all right. Final question, Lizzie. Okay. Oh, let's do the plugs, by the way. Oh. What can we plug of yours? Let's tell people where they can find your you know, specials oh, yeah. and where they can like see you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's plug whatever you want to plug. Okay. Well, yeah, my special, which is weird to say, um, still, <laughs> uh, that's on Amazon. Uh, it's called Who Cares? Um, you, I've got uh shows coming up in one in Melbourne uh, an ex- like extended show of my festival show woohoo sometimes i forget the names go concentrate <laughs> woohoo uh <and> <laughs> you're probably the same like they all sort of like oh what is it yeah it's woohoo this year's show is woohoo i'm playing oh mate yeah. i get it i get it wrong all the <laughs> yeah. time particularly when i make them too close to each yeah. other like i've had a will logical and a will legal oh, yeah. and i've had a will illuminate and a will illuminati oh, like yeah. i'm making this hard for myself at so this hard. point that is so hard. <laughs> uh so i'm doing a at replay festival at comedy republic um in july and then i'm going to darwin festival as well oh great yeah which i'm That'll really be excited great fun. about yeah yeah mm. great audiences in Darwin. Mm. really good place to do comedy awesome. uh thank you so much for doing this it's been a real pleasure um final question i have a time machine mm-hmm. i can take you forward in time or backward in time i can take you to your own life or you can ignore your own life mm-hmm. you can change something you can do whatever you want to do it's mm-hmm. like we're pretty free form in our interpretation of how time and time travel works mm-hmm. in this hypothetical scenario yeah. so uh the big question for me is firstly forward or backwards if you if you are offered a trip in a time machine are you the person who revisits the past or are you a person who goes into the future I, I would go into the past. Um, uh-huh. I think the future scares me a little bit. Yep. It's a bit too sure. unknown. But I uh-huh. think <laughs> <laughs> the past, I'd like to understand more about myself now based on the past. So I'd like to go and see, like visit my great-grandparents or something like that. Like I never I only met one of my grandparents. Um, the others died before I was born and the one that I did meet I met her when she was really sick. So I was like four years old. So I never knew my grandparents really. So I'd love to know them. So I think I'd go back to that sort of time. Mm. Thank you so much for doing the show. I really do appreciate it. It was very uh, fun to have this chat with you today. Thank you, Oh, thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. Listener.